Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you know anyone who would disagree with the sixth commandments? You shall not murder. Do you know anyone, whether Christian or non-Christian, who would want to argue that murder is sometimes permitted? On the surface, it would seem to make sense that everyone would agree that it is wrong to murder. And yet, brothers and sisters, the moment we dig a little deeper, we see that it is not so simple, that this commandment does have considerable depth and impact also in our modern world. The clearest example of murder in our society, which is tolerated, is abortion, the killing of the unborn. Millions of unborn children are murdered each year throughout the world. The gravity and horror of this is staggering and hard to comprehend. And each year throughout the world, thousands of sickly, handicapped, elderly people are also murdered. People whom the world often regards as no longer worthy of having the precious gift of life. Often these killings are so-called justified in the name of mercy and compassion. The word euthanasia means literally to die well. It is thought that the person has done a favor because he will now no longer need to suffer so much anymore. But such a decision is not for us to make. It is the Lord alone who is sovereign over our life. And his purposes and his will for our life is far above our understanding. Each human life has value and worth. Each human life is a precious gift of God. And therefore, each human life must be defended. When we consider the sixth commandment, we must never lose sight of this truth of Scripture, which is so often against our culture. We are called to witness to this truth in our situation and context as well. May the Lord bless these efforts, that there may come real change in our land, that eyes may be opened to the wickedness of abortion and euthanasia. The Sixth Commandment deals with more than obvious murder and abortion and euthanasia. As the Catechism explains, this commandment encompasses the whole range of attitudes and feelings towards others, our brothers and sisters, and everyone we connect with. Are we acting in accordance with God's will for our life in all of these various relationships? Are you walking in God's way of love? and in his light. Do you understand the value of your own life and that of others? Do you confess your sins and shortcomings against the sixth commandment? Do you flee to Christ alone for forgiveness and for renewal, also when it comes to your relationships with others? Let us consider the sixth commandment in light of the passage that we read from 1 John. I proclaim to you God's word under the following theme, 
Walk in the light of God's love by loving your brother and sister. We will consider that first, God's love in Christ frees us from the darkness of sinful hatred. And second, God's love is perfected in us when we walk in the light of love. In his first letter, the Apostle John declares to the believers the message which he has heard from Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Word made flesh, the one born in Bethlehem. This message is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. True life consists of having fellowship with this God who is light, fellowship with this God who is holy, righteous, and good. John writes in chapter 1, verse 6, that if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It is also true that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, then we make God a liar and his word is not in us. But when we confess our sin, then we may know for a certainty that the Lord is faithful and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all sin. Or as John puts it at the beginning of chapter 2, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means a sacrifice which gives atonement. It turns away God's wrath so that he receives us into his favor. And so now in connection with the sixth commandment, God's love in Christ frees us from the darkness of sinful hatred, which is the root of sin against this commandment. We may not have actually physically murdered someone, but there are so many ways in which we can harm others and ourselves, and because of those sins, we desperately need the blood of Jesus Christ to wash us and make us clean. We are guilty, and we need his renewal and cleansing. It is only when these sins are properly dealt with that we may truly enjoy fellowship and communion with the God of light and love. It is only when we have been relieved of the burden of our sin, of hostility and hatred against others, that we may truly walk in love and enjoy the light of God's presence in our lives. May the gospel of Jesus Christ change our lives with respect to the sixth commandment. God gave us also this commandment after he had set us free from bondage and slavery to sin. And this is how we are to live, having been redeemed from sin. The Kaigism asks in question 105, what does God require in the sixth commandment? And the answer that is given, I am not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. And answer 106, 
points out clearly the depth of this sixth commandment. We confess in that answer, by forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. The act of murder is usually the result of a long process which has been brewing in the heart of the murderer. We can see this in the case of Cain and Abel. Both brought offerings to the Lord, but the Lord did not accept the offering of Cain, but only the offering of Abel. As a result of this, Cain became very angry. Cain was continually in a foul mood because he was jealous of his brother Abel, who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But Cain did not stop to examine himself. He did not desire to purge from his heart his sin, which was putting him in such a foul mood and poisoning the relationship between him and his brother Abel. Cain was so envious and jealous of Abel that he actually went out and killed him. He couldn't stand being confronted by his brother's righteous deeds any longer. This kind of jealousy and envy is a real danger for us who are inclined to sin. There are all kinds of reasons why we might be overcome by jealousy and envy. We might be jealous of someone's job or position in life or wealth or possessions. Or we might be envious of their social circle and connections that we do not have. Or we might resent the fact that certain people always get the attention and are the life of the party. Or we might feel entitled to receive something that we're not getting and therefore get resentful and angry at whoever we might think is withholding such entitlement. Or we might be resentful for the same reasons that Cain resented Abel. There may be some who show us up in our walk of faith or demonstrate that we have weak faith and we don't like that and want to show ourselves to be better than they are. We may have a small-minded and immature attitude to such things and become angry and envious. We may seek to exert control over others, but then discover it is not working or is only backfiring. All of our scheming and trusting in ourselves is not having the desired effect, and then we can lash out and become bitter. There are so many reasons why we might be filled with envy, hatred, anger, and bitterness. This can affect all age groups, from children to the elderly and everything in between. Boy, boys and girls, how do you play with your classmates on the playground? Are you kind and friendly? Or can you sometimes be nasty to others and jealous of some of them? There can be negative peer pressure, which makes sinful attitudes a way of life. Then sin is pra praised and the way of love and kindness is ridiculed as weakness. Then also children can suffer greatly, and the communion of saints is broken. Nowadays, there's also the phenomenon of cyberbullying, 
where the victim can receive hateful messages that no one would dare to say in person. But hiding behind one's screen, there seems to be little to prevent the most hurtful and horrible things from being said. As we hear from time to time in the news, these kinds of attacks can have the most awful consequences, even leading to the taking of one's own life. Do we give careful thought to what we post online, on social media, or other types of messages? It can be so easy to spout off in anger and frustration. Do we test all of our posting and messages with the standard of God's love? What kind of filtering process do we use? How are we exercising self-control in our online presence? Brothers and sisters, what is the answer to cyberbullying and other destructive online behavior? We need to clearly, clearly recognize it as sin. We must condemn it because it is so clearly contrary to God's good and holy law. We need to realize that this kind of behavior reveals a heart that is not right with God. And this kind of envy, jealousy, and hatred is allowed to take over our lives, then we need to repent from our sinful ways and learn to find our peace and security in Christ Jesus. If we are filled with jealousy and envy towards others because of all kinds of worldly reasons, then we are losing sight of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. Why do we need to be envious of anyone? Is not God and His love for us far greater than any reason for why we might be envious or jealous? Why covet money, position, status, or anything else in this world when we could be rejoicing in God and His love, His righteousness, His holiness, His compassion, mercy, and kindness? Why eat ourselves up with a desire to control and manipulate those around us when we know ourselves to have received the peace that surpasses all understanding? The peace which no one can take away from us. The peace of eternal life. The forgiveness of all of our sins. Also the sins of jealousy, envy, anger, and hatred. Let us be overcome by the love of God in Christ and rid ourselves of all such sins as these. Envy, hatred, bullying, anger, and resentment. Such sins only drag ourselves and others down into despair and death. The Lord Jesus Christ has shown us a much better way and he has given his life so that we might be freed from such horrible traps and led into his perfect and enduring peace. We also confess in the Catechism that we are to put away all desire of revenge. If we are caught in the web of hatred and retaliation, it can quickly become an all-consuming lifestyle problem. Even if we have been genuinely wronged by someone, it is not for us to seek vengeance 
and to begin a whole cycle of retaliation and feuding. No, those are the works of the evil one and must be avoided at all costs. Let us not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. Leave judgment and punishment of wrongs up to the Lord alone, who is the only one who can punish justly and uprightly. As the Lord says in Deuteronomy 32, vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip. For the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. Vengeance is not our task. Leave it to the Lord. Experience God's love in Christ and give your situation over to the Lord. Let the Lord deal with the sinner who has wronged you and walk in the light of God's love in Christ who frees us from the darkness of sinful hatred. In answer 105, the Catechism also speaks about harming ourselves. Just like we must not harm our neighbor, so, as the Catechism says, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. The Lord has created us for life, and therefore we must also not harm ourselves. The most extreme form of harming oneself is suicide a sin to which one can succumb when one's despair and feeling of hopelessness reaches the highest point. In Scripture, there are several examples of this happening. For example, Ahithophel, who became Absalom's advisor, and Judas, who betrayed Jesus. These men saw the futility of their actions and the grim results of their deeds and killed themselves in despair. May God graciously prevent any one of us from following in such a horrible route. May the Lord work powerfully in us with his spirit so that we know and understand and also feel and experience the peace of God in Jesus Christ, his Son. May his love and mercy break through our feelings of despair and depression, which can be so overwhelming. We live in a fallen world, but in this fallen world, the gospel of salvation has been proclaimed, and therefore we are never in a truly hopeless state or condition. Jesus Christ has come and set us free. He was fully rejected and forsaken by God so that we would not be, so that we might receive God's blessing and love. Therefore, enter into the light which he has brought about in this world and cast all of your burdens upon the Lord because he truly does care for you. There are many other ways in which we can also harm ourselves that may be less drastic, but nevertheless are also robbing us of what we have received from the Lord. We can harm ourselves by driving recklessly, by smoking, by abusing alcohol or drugs, or by overeating or neglecting our health completely. 
Let us carefully reflect upon the good gift of life which the Lord has given us and be responsible stewards of that life also in how we live with our own bodies. Remember that the Lord Jesus has bought us, body and soul, at a price, and we are then called to honor God in our bodies. Let us not find our comfort and strength and various kinds of addictions which harm us, but rather in the God of our life, who has rescued us from sin and has obtained for us righteousness and life. May the Lord bless us with insight and strength so that we can live a new life of obedience and work with what Jesus Christ has done for us. The salvation work of our Savior not only frees us from the darkness of sinful hatred, but also has its positive effect in walking in the light of love. And so we come to the second point. We confess in question and answer 107. Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No. When God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness towards him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. The sixth commandment is about much more than simply not killing or hating our brother or sister or neighbor. It is also about loving him and acting in a positive, honorable, kind, and gentle manner towards him. It is all about showing to our brother and sister or neighbor that we know God and want to obey his word also in our relationships with other people. It is about understanding the goodness of God's word and law and applying that to our own daily life. When we obey God's commandment, also the sixth commandment, then God's love is being perfected in us. God has shown us his love by sending his son to redeem us and save us. God's love is being perfected in us when we love others because Christ loved us and freed us from the sin of hatred and envy. Then God's saving work is clearly having its effect and impact in our lives, and then we are progressing in holiness. Then God's love is becoming more and more complete in our lives. Then we are imitating our Heavenly Father, more and more, and then we walk in his light as children of light. John writes in chapter 2, verse 6, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We are called upon to be followers of our Savior and to live among one another as Jesus lived among the people of his day. It is true that we cannot follow Jesus in all respects. We cannot offer the atoning sacrifice that he offered. Nor do we need to, 
for he has done that once for all. But in the way of obedience to the sixth commandment, showing love and kindness to our brothers and sisters, and even to our enemies, we have received the wonderful example of Jesus Christ himself. Remember how Jesus washed the feet of his disciples? When Jesus did that, he showed an example of selfless love. Feet washing was not something the leader of a group would ever do. That was a menial task left up to some nameless servant. But by washing the feet of his disciples, he showed concretely what it meant to show true love. Surely this expression of selfless love is the very opposite of envy and jealousy. When you show such love, then you do not expect anything in return, but you do it simply for the joy of service, for the joy of helping others and acting in a godly, serving way. By washing feet, you show that you are putting others above yourself and that that is what is important and pleasing in God's sight. As Christians, as those who walk in God's light, we are called to be of such service to one another. We are called to humble ourselves. We are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ our Savior and in imitation of Him. May this attitude of selfless service characterize how we interact with one another as a congregation and people of God here also in this place. And yet this attitude of selfless love is not limited to our brothers and sisters, but must also be shown to our enemies. The Lord Jesus did this as well and showed this most powerfully when he was being nailed to the cross. While he hung on the cross, he showed his love for his enemies by praying for them to his Father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. As children of our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, we are called upon to be perfect. Jesus also exhorted us in the Sermon on the Mount. And part of this perfection involves loving our enemies and doing good to those who persecute us and oppress us. We are not to lash out at those who treat us badly and with harmful intent. We do not need to be concerned about them and the influence which they think they have over us. For there is nothing which can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All their efforts are for naught and will not achieve anything if we rest in our Savior. Our only task is to put the Lord first in our life and show our love for our brothers and sisters and for all men. The kingdom of Christ is not advanced by retaliation and revenge, but through acting in humility and goodness, by overcoming evil with good, and by showing the power of the light of love 
which the Lord Jesus has brought about for us in his sacrifice on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead. John says that he is not writing a new commandment, but an old one. It is an old one because this is always what the Lord has wanted us to do. But it is also a new one because its depth is made more clear with the coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The darkness is passing away because of Christ's redeeming work, because he has destroyed the devil's power. The evil one is now on the retreat, and he has lost the battle in principle. He may rage in his hatred and anger, but he cannot harm those who belong to Jesus Christ. The darkness is passing away, and the true light in Christ is already shining. May that light also shine in us, brothers and sisters. May the whole world be able to see that we belong to this realm of divine light, that we are truly children of light and love, saved from the grip of hatred and sin by Jesus Christ, and now eager to show how wonderful and liberating is a life of love and kindness, mercy and compassion, a life of giving and sharing. Let us begin this way of life in our homes and in our congregation as brothers and sisters together. May we regard one another with true Christian love so that we accept each other as fellow sons and daughters of the same Heavenly Father, that we recognize the unity which we have in the Lord, put aside all suspicion and evil thoughts about others, and instead show a true love which looks out for the well-being of all the brothers and sisters. When this is the way that we live with one another, then God is glorified, then his light shines through our lives, and then we may rejoice in each other's company and live in pleasant harmony all the days of our life. How good that is, and how wonderful it is to experience God's love being perfected more and more among us to the praise of his glory and the well-being of our neighbor. Amen.